Friends, are you ready to open up your hearts to the Father in a way that you've never done before? Think about that. Open your hearts to Him. Allow, can I say, the soil of your heart just to receive the word that I'm going to bring today because I do believe it is a foundational word for, for this year and for what we're going into as a church. So... I think if any of you have um, been around us for a little while or longer, um, you would have known or through, through year ends that as we lead into the new year, as a family, many of us do it here, uh, just asking the Lord for a word for the year, um, not as a, you know, a motto or New Year's resolution, but just like, Lord, what do you want to work into my heart? What do you want to work into my life in this next year? <clears throat> and... My word for this year was devotion. Isn't that such a beautiful word? For me, like, when I think of devotion, it's like you devote yourself to something that you love, you know? I, I devote myself to my incredible wife because I love her, and I don't devote myself to a concept of marriage. That doesn't hold up, but that beautiful sense of giving your heart to something that you adore, that's what you devote yourself to. You never devote yourself to something that's just, you know, vanilla um, for, as a good idea. And so um, as I started digging into that word and thinking about devotion, naturally, the very first thing that comes to mind is going back to the early church, uh, where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and etc. Um, so I just wanted to read that just as a start. Um, in Acts 42 to 47, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those that were being saved. Isn't that just such a beautiful picture of community? It just feels so rich. I don't know if you feel that. There's just this, this commonality, this love for each other, this, this almost um, electric, supernatural environment where people are experiencing the awe of God. They can't help but just be in awe. And that awe is almost like a fear, but it's not a scared fear. It's just like, it's, I can just imagine that environment. It's just tangible. And um, it's powerful and it's fruitful and the Lord is adding to their number. It's just the perfect environment for the human condition, the human race to actually absolutely to, uh, to flourish. And friends, that's the kind of community that I want to build um, as I think about this year. And so I think as you think about the type of community that we want to be in and we want to build, uh, it makes sense to go back to the blueprint, almost to the very beginning. Yes, we need to hold the end in mind as well, 
and the beginning, I mean, and the middle, but to go back to the beginning and just see, like, Lord, what was it, what was it like when it, the, the early church that had just come out of seeing Jesus face to face, not like a God out there. I've said this once before. Nowadays, we have a hard day of thinking about Jesus as a man. In those days, they had a hard time thinking about him as God because they saw a man. He was that real. He was flesh. He was flesh and blood. And so I look back at that, that um, the whole of Acts 2, when the church was birthed, um, just in a remarkable, remarkable time where the Holy Spirit gets poured out, they can do nothing. Jesus says, wait. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait until the Holy Spirit is poured out uh, and give this gift of the Holy Spirit comes to you. They could do nothing without the Holy Spirit. And so they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And you know, at Pentecost, the Spirit gets poured out. It's just wildfire. It's like a wind comes through the place. Um, the Spirit gets poured out, and it's, it's pandemonium, and they get filled with the Spirit. And straight off the back, what does Peter do? He goes and delivers a... Um, he, he preaches the gospel. He preaches a word to a crowd that could have gone so horribly wrong. <laughs> so horribly wrong. He basically tells these people, and that's, there's a crowd that's gathered now, as we will find out because of the multiplication. And he says, this Jesus that you killed, he's Lord and King, you killed him. That could have earned him a stoning or a whatever. It could have gone so horribly wrong. But what happens? They cut to the heart and they say, what do we do? And he says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then you too will get the gift of this Holy Spirit. They've just seen this power. Those that, whose hearts were open said, what must we do? Others laughed and said, oh, they're drunk. Hard-hearted people. But the Spirit gives life and the church takes off. And um, as I was preparing for this morning, I, re I re was reminded of our time in Hrafrenet, coming back from Neisner uh, this holiday. And just after dinner, uh, Kirsty and myself went for a walk through the town. Small town, big wide streets. It's just getting dusk. You can see the Valley of Desolation mountain in the background. It's just imagine the scene. It's just that very still time of day where it's getting dark and you can just see the silhouette of the mountain and street lights are coming out and it's so peaceful. And then we hear the sound from far and it sounded like it, it was quite loud, but it was intriguing and we wanted to almost find out what it was. And you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of these old school revival tent meetings. Um, where, you know, somebody's over a loudspeaker and a crowd's going wild. And I, I just imagine that that's probably like what your gran, Kirsty's gran, experienced, great-gran. Not far from that area, actually. Was it in Hrofrenet? Okay. Um, who was it? Andrew Murray was coming through, and she got, uh, came to a meeting and was filled with the Spirit. And, I mean, that set the tone of Vida's side of the family, Right. Um, beautiful, but it just made me think about those early days where the Spirit gets poured out and people are close by. It's quiet. They can hear. It's pandemonium. People come and get drawn, and that's what happened in the early church. 3,000 people get added that day. 3,000 in a day. Um, 
It's quite, and the most unseeker sensitive message you could get. You killed, this, this guy you just killed, it was you, you murdered him, but he's actually the Lord of all. Friends, there is power in the gospel when it is completely undiluted and is backed up by the presence of the Holy Spirit. The simplicity brings about change and it brings about explosion. And for me, I ask the question, how did the early church just explode from that little place, from those few? How did it explode? We're not seeing explosion like that around us. I'm like, I want that. How did it explode from that small little place and go all around the world? What did that look like? And friends, I think it was because there was the pure, undiluted reality of what Jesus did for them. It was so real. He had just been there. They're speaking to eyewitnesses of people that knew him. They are the first people in history that get to experience what it feels like to live with the Spirit, with God's presence inside their bodies. They're the first people in history that get to experience what it feels like to be completely free from sin. Right? Sin was destroyed at the cross. Death was destroyed at the cross. Things that their fathers, their grandfathers, people they knew that they could name were um, unable to get on top of sin because they didn't have the right operating system. Suddenly, this is the first generation that get to experience this level of freedom and it is just electric and it is wild and they're living in the, the reality of that. And um, I think there was the reliance on the Holy Spirit in that space because it was so tangible and so real. From nothing to something. Nowadays, we think about things and we, when you mention an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a revival, you've got different pictures in your head of history you know, you've got maybe different things that come up. But there, this was the, the first reality of seeing. And what was the result of that? There was awe. There was like this electric environment where people were like, oh my goodness, this is so outside of me. This is the Father. This is the creator of the universe working into the people that we know. And they're seeing change. And they're seeing transformation. And I feel like it says that they... So I'm asking for ourselves, what does it look like? And I think it's a reliance on the Holy Spirit that we actually say, Spirit of God, come and fill the place where we are meeting. The other thing that they, they gathered around, as you read through Acts 2, when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, to fellowship, um, prayers, the breaking of bread, they devoted themselves to that thing. Again, why? Do you know that as Jesus told some of their friends that if they wanted to have any part of him, they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And then at the Last Supper said, this is my body broken for you. Um, and it's for the forgiveness of our sins. They knew people that couldn't follow Jesus anymore. It was so real to them. It, was like, it wasn't just like breaking some wafers and a little 
juice cup and thinking like a religious routine. It was like when they broke that bread at their tables daily, they could imagine, the, they could because they saw it on the cross for themselves, the broken body of Jesus. It was real. It wasn't this, this little religious experience. It was the breaking of their Savior that, that they could experience, and it was, it was real. And so they gathered and devoted themselves, whether it was at the temple or it was in their homes or it was wherever they were. They also had jobs. <laughs> wherever they were, they were gathered around the centrality of Jesus. It wasn't coming together to see what I can get or, you know, like, oh, I hope this thing helps me this year for X, Y, Z. I really need breakthrough in, you know, my, my work and my, my family and this and that. It wasn't. It wasn't for what I can get. It was for what he gave them. And they're stepping into the reality of this thing, and it's powerful, and it's tangible, and people are getting healed, and there's signs, and there's wonders, and the display of God's glory is wild, and it's there because they get, and they devoted themselves to this thing daily as they broke the bread, the reality of that cross that they had just experienced. Maybe it's not all of them. Some of them it's from, you know, oh, Phil told me about this thing that he saw. It's not like way back when. And they experienced the undiluted power of that. And friends, a lot of those things we might say, yes, we know, we get but I feel like this word devotion is the thing that's missing, the missing ingredient. This daily, this devotion, it's like I saw this beautiful prize, this gift that was given to me, and I stepped into this freedom, and then I could give myself 100% to that. And then devotion, and then daily. I don't think 3,000 people didn't get together daily in someone's home. It was, it was the Big gatherings, it was the small gatherings, but it was this daily coming together to, um, to celebrate what he has done and, um, and to expose themselves to the teaching of, of the apostles. Reason being is that, friends, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Even that early church... Don't hold them as like someone that's got things perfect. You read through the early testament, early church, it didn't have anything, everything perfect, but they had the perfect one. And then the perfect one says, Don't neglect gathering together. And the model that he gives us is to be devoted. And so we need to come daily, 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 not just dip our feet in every now and again, you know, um, into uh, his presence. Read the scriptures every now and again when we need it or whatever. It's just give ourselves wholeheartedly. You know what? Let my business, friends, I've also got a business. I work two jobs. Your business, let that catch up. Don't let your career be your dominant thing that you hold as a value in your life. Do not let that be the thing that you are devoted to. Release the gift that God has given you into that place. But it cannot be your number one. It cannot be the thing that determines your whole life and everything else fits in with that, if we get together, if we don't, it's so valuable when we get together. And so div I, I just looked up, I don't do this often, but I, 
I had to Google how to do it, actually. <laughs> Look up the Greek word for... Eh? Um, and so, and I found it. Okay, great. So now you can actually go through different translations and see what the original Greek word was for a particular thing to see, hey, did these guys translate this right or just get different angles? And, you know, that the Greek word for, for devotion, I'm not going to say it out, but the definition... <laughs> Okay, it's proskoteiro. What? Proskoteio. Proskoteio. Um, and what it means, it says the definition is to attend constantly. And in the usages, I persist, persevere, persevere in, continue fast in. I steadfast in. So go away, and I've given a little card that I'm going to give out to you later. But go away and use that description when you think about the scriptures gathering together, um, uh, praying together, praying alone, etc., use that. And I, I, I just put it in a sentence uh, just to try and make it make sense. And I, I said this, choosing to persevere in and give constant attention to, dot, dot, dot. Persevere and give constant attention to the gathering, to the fellowship, to, uh, to the teaching of, of what the apostles taught us and what current apostles and teachers are gifted to do uh, these days. Their devotion led to that environment that I described of awe and wonder as they were observing these signs and wonders. It led to togetherness of, of, and glad and generous hearts. That was the fruit of their um, of their devotion and favor amongst each other. There was this supernatural environment of favor. And I think Helmut and Vida have given a, a story of the Heronhut um, example when um, the Moravians got together. And there was just that they were divided up until a point. And somehow the Holy Spirit broke out as they were walking along the road on two different sides, on these two different groups. And suddenly the Spirit breaks out they didn't have a, uh, a little, you know, he said, she said thing. It's just unity began to, to breed. And so that's the environment. When we allow the spirit to move, and we don't look out for our right and wrong and our rights, the spirit brings this beautiful, beautiful favor um, amongst each other. But I just, I wondered, like when I say the word devotion, does that, I think that could also evoke in some people, it could evoke, evoke a thoughts of obligation, like, oh, daily, they, whatever, like this thing I need, I have to do, this like duty, this obligation. But friends, the, the, the fruit of that kind of obligation is what? It's not, you're not giving yourself to something you love. It's like I said, like if I'm devoted to the idea of being married, that's not going to last but when I'm devoted to something and someone and someone that I love, that love is without end and it grows and it builds. Um, and so my question is, is what, if we're saying devotion, what does it lead to? The fruits, what is the fruit of devotion? And so I looked up that word as well. And it's so amazing, like as I, as I looked into this, that and it's one of the ones that you would like skip over. It's at the end. And they met together. Um, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You know, 
It's like just like this, just glad and generous hearts. Um, so often we like skip over that. But that word glad is agliasis. And the, the definition for that is exultation or exuberant joy. The usage is wild joy, ecstatic delight, exultation, exhilaration. Isn't it amazing? It's like this ecstatic delight, wild joy. That's how they received their food and, and gathered in homes. There was this ecstasy, this electric, electricity in the environment of joy, of not just like, we're glad. You know, that's the bad, that's the bad English, you know. We should be Greek. <laughs> um, because it's just like, oh, I'm glad, you know, or, oh, my goodness, what they actually experienced. That was the word to describe what they were actually experienced. That was the fruit of their devotion. And um, what's amazing to me is that that Greek word is only used five times in the New Testament. I mean, you read about joy and all of these other things many times, but that particular word that is used is only used five times. And the very first time it is used, guess when it is used? It's when the angel arrives and announces to, to uh, Zacharias that Elizabeth is, go um, that Elizabeth is going to uh, have a son. And then he talks about the, uh, the birth of Jesus. And he says in, in Luke 1.14, and you will have, um, sorry, not of Jesus, my apologies. It's of, um, of John the Baptist. And it says there, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. It's like the very one that is going to herald in and announce Jesus. That's the beginning. That's the first time. He is going to, John the Baptist is going to be the one that's going to herald in the birth of Jesus. Uh, not the birth of Jesus, the uh, announce him to the world and say, uh, and baptize him and set him in his ministry. The announcement of this guy's birth, before he's even burned, it's like they, they use this word. And then the second time it's used is when Mary comes and visits Elizabeth and Elizabeth is pregnant. And as Mary comes in, what happens? The baby jumps in her womb. It says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. That's the second time this is usage. It's all in relation to the announcing of what Jesus will do. And then uh, the, the, there's one other time, but the, the, the fifth time is when in Jude 24, verse 24, when it says, Now unto him that is able to guard you from stumbling... And set you before the presence of his glory without blemish. So the one, Jesus, who is able to set you in the glory of the Father without blemish. Friends, you're holy. You've been made right. And along the journey, he's going to help you from stumbling. But the one that's going to present you in glory before the Father without blemish in exceeding joy. That's where we end up with this exhilaration. And that's why the early church, the fruit of their devotion of what they gave themselves to led to this place of absolute, wild, ecstatic delight. So I, I just wrote that as well. The fruit of devotion is wild, joy, ecstatic delight. It's not heaviness. Devotion isn't this 
oh, heavy. I need to do something. It's a response and it's a decision to actually give yourself to something. And so, friends, that's my, my prayer for us, is that, as I, I said in the very beginning, is that we would be a fruitful community, that we would devote ourselves and gather around Jesus. Let him be the central point of any gathering, any coffee, any, um, any connection or thing that we do. Let Jesus be the center, not the environment or the talk of the times. Let Jesus be the center Let's devote ourselves to each other. What does it look like to devote ourselves to each other? I've realized that we live in a very selfish world. I've realized that I'm very selfish. As I was out for a walk the other day, I was dictating on my phone and to text, and I'm like, it's a new year, and um, uh, what, what is I saying? Everything is, oh, everything is new, you know? And in some ways, everything is new. And what did it say? It said, in some ways, everything is you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's exactly how it is. We're living in a culture where it's all about me, you know. And so, you know what? If I stay at home and I just do my, my time with the Lord, you know, I'm okay, Jack. But actually, I'm not. I'm not. The fruit of my life is, and, the, and what the Lord has put as a model before us is devotion to each other. Devotion to him when we're with each other. So we're not just gathering around like a little home group talking about the weather. There's, it's always around like this, the reality of the breaking of that body and what it did for us. But um, it's designed to work out in community. It matters when you show up. It matters when I show up. And not every, every now and again, you know. It's like getting together tomorrow when we get together in smaller groups and friends. Like, what does it look like to, to do that? And then I wrote a sentence just for the whole of that little, that part of Acts, just to try and summarize it. And it, the fruit of devotion is wild joy, generosity, favor, and multiplication. When we do that, when we dedicate and we dev um, devote ourselves to those things, there's multiplication. There's multiplication of people. People were added. And like we read in the kingdom seed, there's 60, 30, uh, 30 60, 100-fold increase in the things that we do as we give ourselves to that. And so, friends, just to, to finish, I really believe that devotion requires a decision. It required a decision when I said to Kirsty hey, will you marry me? You make a decision. And then, for richer, for poorer, we've been both. <laughs> Sickness, we haven't faced death. But we are together. And there's a decision that, makes, that we make. And um, it's, a, it's a daily decision that we need to make to each other. Um, obviously in covenant, and we are already in covenant. We're in the new covenant with Jesus. But it takes this daily decision to, um, and a commitment and an intentionality. That was the other word that I, I felt like mixed in there for my word for this year. It's just to be intentional about the things that are important to me. And so I think my, my challenge to us is to make a decision in your heart. Because we read in the parable of the sower that seed, kingdom seed is being 
spread. Right now and this morning, kingdom seed is being spread lavishly to you. And some of that seed is going to take root and it's going to grow and it's going to flourish hundredfold. And some is going to get snatched away by the worries of life or the busyness of life or um, by the enemy. And so let this word not just be a passing thought. I'm just going to say as a foundational word for what we, how to actually build the church. Let not just be a passing thought. Let it be something that you go away and that you meditate on because it makes a difference. As I started from end of last year, oh, yeah, devotion. And then, oh, devotion. And then as I started thinking and working into it more and even thinking about today, it's just growing my understanding of what that means. Friends, I'm not preaching at you. I'm a fellow pilgrim, as I said, that works two jobs and is busy. I'm a fellow pilgrim trying to learn what does this devotion look like. I'm not devoted the way I uh, understand devotion, but we're growing together. And so what I have done, just as a, um, a prompt, just to help us be more intentional about this, it's, it's not something we often do in this kind of context, but we've got a little bit of time. I've prepared a, um, like a card, just for us to be a little bit more intentional. And um, just as they are handing out this card, um, basically what it is, it's just some of the definitions and and that scripture that I've put on the, the front. I'll give you a moment just to, just to get the card. Okay, has everyone got one? So the idea of this is just to help you be a little bit intentional and not just say, yeah, yeah, cool, good word, and then move on with autopilot with the rest of your, your year. Um, it's my other challenge, not to be on autopilot <laughs> and to be intentional, but just to something to go away with that you can actually meditate on and just answer some of these questions. They're actually rather big questions. Currently, what do I spend most of my time on? What do I value the most? I feel that we need a rewiring of our root system and belief system about what success is. Because if my belief system is success is me doing well at my job, or my company is doing well, then what am I going to give myself to? Right? And so mostly what happens is that we, we put that stuff first and then like, oh, sorry, we, I couldn't do X, Y, Z because of, you know. Um, even in the American movies, you see the guys like, oh, they miss Christmas. Oh, it's my job. You know, like that's God, their job. 
um, that's, that uh, helps me. I'm allowed to miss Christmas with my family because it's my job. You know, that comes, comes first. That's what we have been programmed to believe. And so what is success? What is fruitfulness maybe is a better word that we can go and say, Lord, how can you rewire my thought process and my value system as to what is important in life? Um, how much awe am I experiencing? It's a big one. How much awe of the Father is there? Am I actually experiencing currently? And then I want to go to like, what do we want to experience? Where do we want to move to? Um, what value do I place on reading Scripture, um, on gathering, on prayer, on the breaking of bread? How generous am I? How generous am I to the people around me? Does it represent what I read when there was devotion in the early and a pouring out of the Holy Spirit in the early church? Am I generous like that? I want to be generous like that. And then I think just obviously all of those current questions is taking some time out. But maybe now just to, um, can I say, I know not everyone's going to do this. That's why I want to give you a moment now is to actually take some time out and ask and say, Holy Spirit, as I read how the church thrived in Acts, what adjustments would you like me to make to the way I'm living and what I place value on? Ask Holy Spirit now and just write some things down there. Be intentional. Put something down on the card and just say, Holy Spirit, this is not somebody trying to get you to do anything. This is ask Holy Spirit, what does he want for you? What does he want to give you? What does he want you to give yourself to? So I'm just going to ask Pitt just to play a little bit of beautiful soaking music. Just for a couple of minutes. It's 42. I'll give you four to five minutes. Just to just get quiet. So... If you're feeling writer's block or you feel any level of pressure as you're looking at putting pen to paper, I just want to say, let there be freedom over you right now. I just declare peace. I de declare the peace of Jesus over you. Just that any fear and control would leave. All fear and control leave. You have no place here. And we say, Holy Spirit, come. Won't you come in and just inspire our thoughts? I see some are finished. I'm going to finish off now. I want to read a scripture. But then I'm going to actually just let, ask Pete just to let the music keep playing. Um, you were deprived of coffee earlier. Um, I'm hoping some has been made possibly or is going to be made now. Um, now that we've got power, so just gather outside and, you know, have a good time together. But uh, feel free to remain behind and just carry on writing if you feel like the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and you're not finished. Don't feel rushed. Um, and also if you need prayer for anything specifically, um, we obviously we're available to, to pray. But I just wanted to finish off um, reading that scripture, Jude 1. I just looked it up in the Amplified Bible now. And it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or falling into sin 
and to present you unblemished, blameless and faultless in the presence of his glory with triumphant joy and unspeakable delight to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion and power before all time now and forevermore. And Jesus, we just want to thank you that we get to call you Father. You are glorious and you are now and you are forevermore. And we just want to say that we love you. And Father, I just pray just uh, that you would seal in and make flourish what we've heard this morning, what we are giving ourselves to as we contemplate, just in essence giving our whole lives to you, that you would make that flourish and just yield such beautiful fruit. We pray in your precious name. Amen. Bless you, friends. As I said, please don't, don't rush off if you're still processing. And... Um, we will see you next weekend for a home church. Uh, we're not, there's no prayer meeting this current Wednesday. From next, the following Wednesday, we will be kicking off, but not this coming Wednesday. But that doesn't stop you from gathering together to pray <laughs> and break some nice gluten-free bed. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Have a lovely week.